On March 7, 1876, U.S. Patent 174-465 was issued to one Alexander Graham Bell for his apparatus for transmitting vocal or other sounds telegraphically. A short four years later, in April of 1880, 142 years ago, the Bell Telephone Company of Canada Limited was formed. In this video today, we're going to take a look at what has happened to this company, where we are today, a modern day look you might see as what we know today as BCE Inc. Many of you will be familiar with this company. A couple of quick facts. BCE Inc. trades on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the ticker BCE, and it has grown to a company of over $60 billion in market cap. As a quick overview, BCE is today Canada's largest communications company by quite a substantial amount. They compete directly with Rogers and Shaw, Talus, and Quebecor under the Videotron label um, in the province of Quebec. The company itself operates in three major segments, Bell Wireless, Bell Wireline, and Bell Media. As of the end of 2021, they employ just under 50,000 people here in Canada. Revenues in 2021 were about $23.5 billion, net earnings of just shy of $3 billion, and adjusted EBITDA of just shy of $10 billion. Let's look at each of these major segments in a little bit more detail to give you a full understanding of what the company does. We're going to start with the wireless division. As of today, about 99% of the Canadian population is covered by BCE's LTE coverage for their wireless coverage. And importantly, 70% has access to their 5G coverage across the country right now. And on this note, 5G is the way of the future. And BCE owns right now 37% of this very valuable spectrum. And this is a huge advantage that they have as they aggressively roll out their 5G capacity. They have a very strong retail presence with over 6,000 locations across the country under the brands of Bell, Virgin Plus, Lucky Mobile, and for those of you who have gone out and picked up cables at some point, like I have on multiple occasions, the source is the place that you typically go for those. That's owned by BCE Inc. as well. They have an indirect ownership in Glentel with, with their wireless wave branding, their T-Booth wireless, and also they have a presence in stores such as Costco with their wireless phone services. When we look at their wireline segment, they have internet service, of course, they have TV service, they have smartphones, and of course they have smart homes nowadays. Their brands include Bell, Bell Alliant, Northwestel, Fibe, Bell MTS, and Virgin Plus. Working directly with businesses, they of course have internet and private networks, VPNs, audio, video, and web conferencing and webcasting, of course. They have a presence in the cloud with their cloud computing, and they also have security, managed services, and other professional services. In their Bell Media segment, they are a leading, they are the leading content creator here in Canada. Most of their revenue comes from their advertisements and subscriptions. And some of the brands that you're going to be familiar with, of course, they own CTV, which is Canada's number one television network for more than 20 consecutive years. They do have 35 conventional stations, and I'll put on the screen here some of the various brands that they operate under. They have 27 specialty TV stations, including TSN, which is Canada's number one sports programmer, RDS, which is the number one French sports programmer, four pay TV services. They have four direct-to-consumer streaming services. They have the widely used Crave service, and they are the exclusive home to HBO here in Canada. 
Another area you certainly will have been exposed to with BCE's products is in their outdoor advertising or their out-of-home advertising with billboards at airports, uh, throughout major cities in Canada. Pretty much anytime you see a billboard outside, there's a very likely chance that it is a BCE product. The company also owns broadcast rights for a whole bunch of big, high-profile sporting events, and I'm going to run through a list of those here. They have the Canadian rights for the Super Bowl, the Grey Cup, the World Junior Championships, NHL, CFL, NBA, Major League Soccer, FIFA, of course, curling, NASCAR, Formula One racing, UFC, the NCAA basketball tournament, and you kind of get the picture of how wide their universe is, how wide their, their catalog of shows, of programming, they can put on the TV for you. Now, if that isn't a broad enough lineup of products that they can bring to us, put in front of our faces, they also have ownership in some sporting events. For example, they have 28% indirect ownership in MLSE, which is the Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment Limited Company. They are the owners of Toronto Maple Leafs, the Raptors, the Toronto Football Club, the Argonauts, and you can see from this list here, it goes on and on. Finally, sort of in this broad catalog category, uh, they have an 18% indirect ownership in companies that owned the Montreal Canadiens, the Bell Centre in Montreal, and the Place Bell in Laval, Quebec. So you can really see how much product. There's the wireless, there's the wired, and then there's this media division where this company touches so many aspects of our lives. I do want to take a dive now into the financials of the company to get a snapshot of where they are today from a valuation perspective, from a profitability perspective, all that type of thing. If you are a do-it-yourself investor, and I know a lot of you watching this video today are, I would like to just take a moment and thank our sponsor for this video, which is Passive. Passive is a free platform that you can use to easily manage your investments, and they have a whole plethora of features. They have things like one-click trades, they have goal tracking, they have dividend tracking, they have performance tracking, and there's a lot more depth to their services that I've even laid out here. One of the features that I like best about Passive is that you can quickly rebalance your entire portfolio, and that way you can keep on track. And so whatever your investor profile is, you can make sure that you don't stray too far from what your objectives are. So I would invite you to click on the link in the description below or in the pinned comment, and you can learn more about Passive there. Now, I am going to move on now to start with our financials with the revenue category. As I mentioned just a little bit earlier, their revenues in the last fiscal year are about $23.5 billion. When I overlay their net income on that for the last 12 months, it comes in at about $2.8 billion. When we look at that revenue from a segment perspective, we see that about half, 51%, comes from their wire line segment, 38% comes from their wireless division, and about 11% comes from their media line. I would like to take a moment and look at BCE's cash flow for their last uh, fiscal year, 2021. Their cash flows are about $8 billion, free cash flow coming in at, let's call that $3 billion. I am bringing this to your attention now because when we get to the dividend section, we'll be talking a little bit more about this. We'll notice a year-over-year -year decline in the actual cash flow, and they attribute that primarily to higher capital expenditures when compared to their 2020 numbers. I think with a company like BCE, it's worth taking a moment and looking at their beta because people invest in companies for various reasons. But when we compare this company versus the TSX, we will see that they are currently trading with a beta of 0.32. For those of you who aren't familiar necessarily with what beta is, this is when you compare the volatility of a company compared to an index. So here we're using the Toronto Stock Exchange as the index that we're comparing it against. So the company comes in at about one third of the volatility of the TSX as a whole. So if this is a company that you own, 
it really can form one of those core holdings in your portfolio that uh, regular dividends, relatively consistent price, something that you can rely on as one of those core holdings in your portfolio and you can explore around the perimeter of that with some of the more volatile companies that we tend to see here in Canada. For example, comes to mind obviously is the energy sector. So I just wanted to take a moment and talk about that beta. It's something that I know a lot of investors don't take a lot of time to look at but it can be an important part of any company that you own in your portfolio. A real strength of BCE is their dividend. And right now they're paying a dividend of $3.68 per share, which is 92 cents a quarter. And they have grown this at a 5% plus rate for more than 14 consecutive years. On this chart, you will notice it shows an 88 cent quarterly dividend. But as I mentioned, that has just recently been increased to 92 cents a quarter. The stock is currently yielding 5.43%. A lot of dividend investors will pay very close attention to a payout ratio when they're trying to determine the stability or the reliability of these dividends, and that's a very uh, normal thing to look at. We will notice that the company currently has a payout ratio of about 115%. Now, a lot of people will justifiably look at that and say, well, if they're paying out more than they're earning, how is this sustainable? If we look back to their 2021 annual report, we will see that their dividend payout policy is to pay out between 65 and 75% of free cash flow. And this is another way that we can assess the viability of a dividend going forward. When we look back over the last number of years with their dividend payment, which is represented here by the blue bar, and their free cash flow, which is the orange bar, we will see in most cases, they are operating with that free cash flow, which can quite comfortably continue to pay that dividend. In their most recent report, they do note that their dividend payout ratio in 2022 remains above the historical 65 to 75% target range due to the second year of a two-year capital expenditure and acceleration plan. If we look at the company's debt load right now, they have long-term debt of about $27 billion and they have about $29.7 billion in total debt. When you look at the company's comments regarding this, they do note that they have available liquidity of $3.4 billion. That's a combination of cash and credit facilities. You will note that they do have no material debt maturities coming up for a year in Q1 of 2023. And of course, really important if you're an employee or a former employer of BCE, is that all of their defined benefit pensions are in a surplus position. When we look at all of the major debt rating services, we will notice on their long-term debt that uh, they, with whether it's DBRS, Moody's, S&P, DBRS has them rated at triple B high, Moody's with a BAA1, and then with S&P at triple B plus. From a valuation perspective, price to earnings right now for the last 12 months is 22.8. That compares with their five-year average of about 24 and a sector average of just under 19 from a price to earnings ratio. If we look forward, they're trading with a 20.3 times price to earnings ratio that compares to their five-year ratio of 18 and a half and a sector ratio of 19. When we look at their peg ratios, they are currently trading with a multiple of 4.22 and that compares favorably with their five-year average of 5.16 and in the last video I did similar to this, there was uh, somebody called me out for not explaining what the peg ratio is. So uh, the peg ratio uh, is a lesser used or lesser known ratio, I suppose. It stands for price to earnings to growth. So it's, it's a, a better version, I would say, of the price to earnings ratio where it takes that metric, but it also combines the growth of the company onto that as well. As I mentioned in the last video, and if you missed that, and if you wanna learn more about the peg ratio, um, I will put a link here for a video that I did specifically talking about the peg ratio. So 
as it stands today, um, it's trading a little bit below its five-turn average. From a price-to-book ratio for the last 12 months, 3.3. Again, that is trading a little bit more favorably than their long-term, or their, rather their five-year average, of 3.97. When it comes to evaluating and assessing companies in 2022, uh, it's becoming more and more important and more popular to look at their ESG input as well. So their environmental and their social governance uh, practices. So uh, I want to do that, take a moment and look at those now with BCE. They wrote their first environmental policy back in 1993. So you could say that they are a little bit ahead of the curve when it comes to these ESG considerations. A program that they have running, which I find phenomenal, is the, is the Bell Let's Talk program. And this is a program where they build awareness around mental health, which is something that we speak far too little about in our society here. If you watch sports, you will see uh, at the time they wrote these campaigns, a lot of ads for this Bell Let's Talk program. It's designed to inspire Canadians to make mental health a priority. And I really have to give BCE kudos for having that initiative where they're bringing to light those issues that so many Canadians uh, deal with, but they're kind of sheltered away. A couple of other key metrics I want to look at here from a gender diversity perspective, we have about 33% of gender diverse people represented in the vice president level or above, and 36% among directors on the BCE board. When we look at the greenhouse gas focus that they've put on, they have a goal to reduce the ratio, obviously, of operational greenhouse gas emissions, and we can see they have been on a steady downward trend in there, which is a good thing. And finally, on the ESG topic, I would like to highlight a 30-year program that they have had now going with their reduce, reuse, and recycle platform, where we can see a steady increase of the recovery of used TV receivers, modems, Wi-Fi pods, mobile phones. So we'll see that being a priority that they continue to push out going forward. The risks that this company has to deal with, they're some common between all companies of this size, there are some specific. Of course, no no company is risk-free. So the things that we would want to consider when we're looking at a company like Bell Canada, well, obviously there's the competitive side to it. And uh, at the outset of the video, I talked about Rogers and Shaw. And for those of you who aren't familiar, there is a proposed merger that is being looked at right now with Rogers and Shaw. And if this is completed and things are kind of pointing in that direction from a regulatory standpoint, etc this would make this combined company a very, very close rival from a size perspective, from a market cap perspective uh, to BCE. So that is an obvious uh, potential threat that is coming down the pipe for, um, for BCE. Things like uh, their competition from other streaming uh, services such as Netflix, I think of Amazon, I think of Disney. I mean, there's so many that are coming out with these alternatives to having either the wired uh, the wired home TV line, or even the other streaming services like the Craves, etc., that uh, Bell, that BCE uses. I think of uh, a threat like cord cutting. I mean, that over the last number of years, that has had uh, quite an impact on this type of company. I think it's probably less so than before because so many people have already made that route, but it does continue to be a threat in this space. And I think of um, piracy. This, you know, with ironically, with the higher speed, with the 5G speed coming online, I, I see the uh, piracy becoming easier and easier, bigger, bigger threat um, to a company that relies on pushing this media out to people. So that's another real threat that the company has to be aware of. In their most recent annual report, they specifically look at various risks in their wireless segment. A couple of highlights, they do mention the increasing intensity from other wireless operators, and we've just sort of spoken to that. 
from a regulatory environment, they do note that there are mandated access requirements that they may be subject to. And this is increased regulation, which will increase obviously things like pricing and infrastructure, can put a squeeze on their margins. And they do mention like they would in any market with a more mature market or a maturing market, the growth rate of their subscribers will start to slow. When we look specifically at their wireline segment, again, they address the competition from a regulatory environment. They do note here that the CRT could mandate rates for the new disaggregated wholesale high-speed access service available. And that's a risk that they're always subject to. They do mention that the courts or cabinet could overturn the wholesale rates that the CRT set for this high-speed service in 2021, which were higher than the rates that it had proposed back in 2019. So there could be a pricing adjustment there. And just from a technological advancement perspective, they do note that the traditional TV viewing model um, is declining. It could be going you know, the way of the dodo bird at some point. So that's a, a consideration that in their wireline segment, they will also possibly be impacted by. And finally here in their Bell Media segment, again, they talk about the competition, always need to be mindful of that. From the advertising and subscription revenue perspective, they do note here that the advertising is heavily dependent upon the economic conditions and viewership. And as we move through this, these uncertain times, uh, certainly there could be disruptions and it could be a pro or a con if people are staying home more than they used to. That could be a benefit for the streaming services, but it also could be a double-edged sword. So that's something that they have to be mindful of there. And then another key element to be aware of in this space is the rising content costs, which again could put pressure on their margins. I would like to speak of a couple of highlights or lowlights, you call them what you will, uh, in relatively recent occurrences uh, that affected BCE. And the first one, I'm going to think back to 2006. So if you were an investor back then, you will no doubt remember the uh, what we call the Halloween massacre. And this is where, without any warning, on October 31st, so on Halloween of 2006, Jim Flaherty, who was the Minister of Finance at the time, declared that effective immediately, effective on November 1st, there will be a 30% tax on income trusts. And for those of you who aren't familiar with that structure, in a corporation, of course, like BCE Inc., the company on a regular basis pays corporate income tax as they earn it. In a trust, the tax is flown through, is flowed through the structure itself, and then the, the individual shareholders, the individual unit holders, will pay the tax at their own marginal tax rates. So uh, there was quite a bit of pressure back in the day for BCE to make that change. And they had announced earlier in October that they were in fact going to make the, the legal structure uh, from a corporation into an income trust. And as a result of, the, of them as being one of the leaders, one of the huge companies that was going to be making this change and you know, some other considerations as well from a revenue perspective, uh, the government at the time decided that they would impart or impose this tax uh, again without any warning and the shock that went through the industry at that time is i can i can put myself back um, at my desk during those times and when i you know looked at how many people were affected and what really bothered me the most about the whole thing was that a lot of seniors a lot of retirees were relying on the higher yields these income trusts would often pay eight nine ten eleven percent um, on yield, on a dividend that came out of them. And that was basically wiped out uh, for the most part. The stock markets themselves, the stocks themselves dropped, you know, sort of 10, 12, 15% uh, out of the gate. And um, the the reverberations, I, I think, still 
uh, shake today. They, they, if, if you went through that, um, actually maybe leave a comment. If you remember uh, going through that and if it did affect you, I'd love to hear your stories because to me as a, a former advisor, that was a critical and memorable um, event that occurred and BCE was very much caught up in that. Shares of BCE dropped significantly when that happened. And you'll see from this chart how sudden this all occurred again back in October of 2006. Another memorable event that occurred with BCE was, uh, I'm gonna call it a failed takeover early in 2007. So shortly after the, the income trust shakeup there, the, there was an offer made by uh, large pensions and private equity groups. The Canada Pension Plan Investment Board was part of them. KKR was another group that was in, involved in that. The Ontario Teachers Pension Plan. They were This consortium had made an offer to Bell Canada for around, it was just over $40 a share, and BCE had accepted that offer. At the time, this would have been the biggest merger, the biggest acquisition in the history of the country. And if you see this chart, you will notice that there's a significant increase, obviously, in the price of the share in early 2007 when that was announced. Now, this deal didn't happen quickly. And about a year and a half or so after this was announced, after all of the steps, all the hoops had jumped through, there was basically one piece remaining. And KPMG, who was assessing uh, the deal at the end of all of the negotiations, wasn't able to certify, wasn't able to provide a guarantee of solvency of BCE once uh, the deal had been completed, once they had gone private. And on the news of this, BCE pulled out of the deal. And you can see again, the shock to the share price when that deal fell apart. I certainly took this as a learning experience. And I think we can all take this as a learning experience for, as an, from an investor's perspective, where when there is a takeover deal like this, quite often, in fact, usually there's a premium paid and the share price will, will jump like we saw in BCE's case here. If there's a long pro, pro, uh, prolonged negotiation that goes on like this, um, sometimes it's wise to take some money off the table because um, if, you know, most of the time the upside is already factored in, I would say, uh, in, a, in a deal like that. And, and even if it's not, there's always this possibility that if the deal falls apart, there will be a retracement back to where things were before. And in fact, this is a primary example of uh, how you can assess a deal like this and there's generally a little bit of time that you have to make a decision and maybe uh, take some of those profits before you give them away uh, like we saw in a case like this. If you are an investor in BCE or a potential investor in BCE, it's always important that we're aware of the companies that we own. And I hope that this video gives you that overview of what exactly the company does, a little bit of their history, where they came from, and perhaps some assessment of where they're going to be going. As always, the first link in the description below is for our Investing Academy. We have some really exciting changes coming up in the next short while. I would invite you to have a look at that. I thank you so much for watching the video, and I look forward to seeing you in the next video.